Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and you might be thinking to yourself, wow, three podcasts already this week and with another one still on the way for the official Auburn preview? That's right, it's a busy week here on the airwaves here at Roar Lions Roar because we're just as jacked up about the start of this season and the upcoming whiteout as you are. So today we're going to have some fun reminiscing on some of our favorite whiteout memories, and to do that, I've brought along Matt Filipovitz here to help me. How you doing, Matt? You ready for the game? Uh, I am ready, but you told me I could come on the podcast and talk about the 2015 whiteout, which kicked off at noon, um, and that was an awful game, so naturally I jumped at the chance. I'm very excited. Of course, you know, every, yeah, I feel like we do the same kind of thing every year when we get to the whiteout, we always talk about these memories, but you know, it's fun. Like there have been some legitimately awesome things to happen at Penn State whiteouts over the years. So the it's, way we're going to go after this, sorry, go ahead. It's unreal how fun the whiteout is and how much I don't realize, like I missed it last year, um, especially with how awful the Ohio State game went. I, I am absolutely thrilled for Saturday. I cannot wait. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, well, we can talk a little bit the, about the, at the end of this, just about how it doesn't even like obviously yeah we want the game to go well but it's just going to be so cool to see the whiteout back in full force I, I can't wait for that uh so the way we're going to attack this is uh i i was in school at penn state from talking football seasons from the 2010 season through the 2013 wait oh wait that's not right the 20 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the 2010 season through the 2013 season. And Matt, you were there from the 2015 season through 2018? Correct. Cool. So the way we're going to do this is we're each going to bring up... I have two that I'm thinking of. I don't know how many you have, Matt. But we're each going to bring up specific whiteout memories from our time, uh, actually, as students on campus. Because we're spread out pretty well, and we pretty much cover most of the big events. Um so, Matt, I'm going to be, even though I my memories came first uh, chronologically, I think we should start with you because we can kind of bounce back and forth here. So what whiteout memory is really one of the first ones that you think of from your time as a student? Well, I mean, naturally, the uh, Grant Haley will score is the one everybody remembers. And that was my sophomore year. And that was before I was even with the blog. That was a ton of fun storming the field. But my favorite game ever is the 2015 whiteout. Penn State was what are they here? I have them at six and three heading into the game. Really, really, really bad season. Still recovering from a lot of the sanctions. And Nick, I'm going to give you three guesses if you can tell me who Penn State's second leading rusher in this game was. Oh boy, 2015. That is firmly out of the... Uh, is that out of the Zach Zwinak era? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. 2015. That's Barkley's freshman year. So. You're never going to get it. You're never going <laughs> to get this. Is it? It's It's got to be someone like, like, uh, didn't like someone Bruno something or uh, Joseph Bruno. That's a person. I'm not. That's a that guy up. who's, who was on the roster last season who has, I Damn think it. transferred to Shippensburg. Ah, uh, oh man. I don't know. Who is it? It is Brandon Polk. So, so what you're telling me is he broke one jet sweep and the run game was poor all night. Oh, he didn't break it. It was one carry for five yards. And that was oh, Penn no. State's second leading rusher. This offense oh, was phenomenal. No. Hack was 13 of 31 for 137 yards 
with an average of 4.4 yards per completion or attempt. I can't do the quick math offhand. Either way, it was hilarious. Brandon Bell got a pick in this game and returned it. I remember it was semi-close at halftime, and it was absolutely disgusting. This is one of my all-time favorite games. I like bad football, and this was bad football in a nutshell. I think this is the point where we remind everybody that the offensive coordinator from that game is somehow still employed as an offensive coordinator now. At the Power 5 level. I I don't know. I I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but you know, just in case anybody is unaware out there, I think I actually I think I mentioned this with Bill on the um <clears throat> the Ball State recap. But just in case anyone is unaware, we need to very clearly lay out John Donovan's career path because he went from Penn State offensive coordinator all the way down to Jacksonville Jaguars offensive analyst. Like, you don't see, you don't see that jump from power five coordinator to offensive analyst very often. Didn't, um, went, oh, who was, who was the special teams coordinator a couple years back? Galliano or was he, was he, um, an analyst or was he their special teams coach for the saints when he left? I, I believe he still, he, I think he was the assistant special teams coach for the saints. Okay. That sounds I, so made up. at least that he like was still job, an on-field sure. coach. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, but then John Donovan, you know, he made big strides, got promoted to the assistant running backs coach in Jacksonville. What and, do you think that entails? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think I, you're the, the guy who holds the bag when you get stiff arms. I think that's <laughs> your job. N- the NFL, I mean, they can have as many coaches as they want. Like, they, they can literally make up it. I mean, Pete Carroll's been doing it for years to make up positions for his sons to coach with the Seahawks. So, you know, they, they can literally do whatever they want. I there's a good chance he's just the guy that like was in charge of coming up with the drills for practice that day, maybe. And then I don't know, but from there, like, you know, there's a lot of things I could say about John Donovan, but that dude must have one hell of an interview and presentation to go from assistant running backs coach for the Jaguars to offensive coordinator for the Washington Huskies. I'm going to give you one more stat from this game, and then we can move on. Who led Penn State in kick returns? Uh, this has quickly become Remember Some Dudes, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, man, I, I feel like I'm coming up. Like, the first three names that came to my mind were, or the first two names that came to my mind were Gerald Hodges and Jesse Della Valley, but those are two. <laughs> You're honestly are... really close. You're closer uh, than I think you realize. I mean, it must be, is it another white safety? Another white is, Italian safety? It is not. Oh, then I'm close. I don't, I'm not sure then. He, it is Koa Farmer, who overlapped oh. and did play safety for a while. This was Koa Farmer's redshirt freshman season when he was still a safety, I think. Oh, man. I remember having, like, pretty... Like, I remember being a pretty optimistic about him as a kick returner, and it that did not go well. This oh, game rules. This game was awesome. Okay, well, enough on that game. Let's jump back to a more exciting highlight. Honestly, for my money, I think this is the... It's, yeah, it's really hard for me to say that there is a more exciting singular moment in recent Penn State football history than the blocked kick, you know, just because of what it meant at the time and what it meant, how it just completely changed the program and all that. But to this day, there is not a single moment that I like single brief moment. We'll say because the, the blocked 
the blocked kick, you know, that was kind of drawn out. Like there was the block, he had to pick it up, he had to run the length of the field. So it lasted a little bit longer. But Mike, um, Michael Yancich blocking the punt of, oh man, I don't remember who the Ohio State punter was at the time, but him blocking the punt in 2013 that Mike Hall then recovered in the end zone, Ben Buchanan was the punter. You have that, that backwards, and that was 2012, I believe. Or sorry, blocked, sorry, blocked by, yes, yeah, sorry, 2012. Oh boy, I'm all over the place. Let me restart. Ben Buchanan, Ohio State punter, had his punt blocked by Mike Hall, recovered by Michael Yancich in the end zone. That was that was the first like kind of like monster, I would say like monster moment uh, in my time as a Penn State student, and I will ne- I will never ever forget that. I thought that was just the absolute coolest possible thing. I that that is always the first thing I think of when I think of whiteout. That was a fun game. Ohio State went undefeated that year, if I remember. Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, they would. That was Urban's first year. Yep. Yeah, that was the. Uh, no, it wasn't his first year. His first year was twenty eleven. Was it? Or I thought because I know the twenty eleven team went into Columbus and won. I don't think Urban was there. I could be wrong. I'm pretty Either way, sure Urban was congratulations there. Congratulations 20... to new USC coach Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, twenty eleven when Penn State went to Ohio State was the uh, ineligible. Mm, that uh, okay. Penn State walked away with a win with uh, mm. primarily playing Wildcat offense for that game, if I remember correctly. I believe Curtis Drake took tev- several snaps as the quarterback because I think I think it was the lead-up to that game that he punched McGloin in the face in the locker room and McGloin couldn't play, if I remember correctly. Early 10s Penn State is such a fascinating time for me, and there's there's so much <laughs> I want to learn. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we've really done a poor job of staying on topic already in this, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, but yeah, that 2012, that Michael blocked punt, that was just one of the coolest things I think I'll ever see. Uh, all right, Matt, back to you. What do you have next? So I'm going to go, I'm going to skip 2016 again because we've all done the it's blocked thing so many times. It, it's gotten old for me. Just kidding um, at this <laughs> point, but 2017, play two, Saquon Barkley with Joe Moorhead with absolutely beautiful, beautiful offensive play calling. I remember Trace lined up and then he clapped and then it switched and Barkley went in the shotgun as the guy who was going to get the snap. And he didn't even like pretend to make a read. He's just like, yeah, the left side's going to be open and just sprinted to the end zone. And I was in the press box at this point and that was probably the most I've ever felt it shake. And that press box shakes like if wind hits it too hard. And that was... <laughs> absolutely awesome that was one of my favorite plays and later in the game uh Saquon's juggling catch um where he torches some poor corner and bobbles it and then scores and then does like the windmill celebration that was a really fun play so I remember that day that that's a couple of years after my after I was out of college at this point I was living in Virginia and I had to go get a new phone that day and I just barely made it back to the house in time for the game but <laughs> I remember the second that Saquon and Trace kind of shifted over on that play and I realized what was about to happen, I just started giggling to myself. And the second that he got around Rashawn Gary, I knew he was gone. I just, that was uncontrollable laughter. That I don't think I've ever laughed at a single football play like that. That I think was one of the, just the coolest and funniest things to ever happen on a Penn State football field. Jomo continues to do really really mean things to big 10 teams i don't like and i'm all about it (laughs) oh that was such a fun game i even like it's funny if you go back and you look at that game like you kind of forget that 
you know, Michigan kept it close for a good chunk of that game. I, like, I, I want to say, like, going into halftime, it was still within a score, if I remember correctly. Might have been. I'm pulling it up now. Something like that. Like, I know by the time that you get to, like, the third quarter, they're pretty well spaced out from each other by then. But um, <laughs> between that and um, the 20, uh, what would it have been? The 28, or the 2019 uh, wideout against Michigan, uh, where the KJ first, Hamler the first had, play timeout. Yeah, where KJ Hamler had the two long touchdowns. Like if you think back on that game, like you think, oh yeah, easy win, cruised. In in reality, Michigan was one Ronnie Bell dropped pass in the end zone away from tying that game up very late. Yeah, we don't talk it's, about that. It's it's funny to look back on those things and those wins that felt so easy at the time. You look back and remember, like, oh boy, that was a lot closer than we gave it credit for. I am so happy that the whiteout this year is not against Michigan um, or like Ohio State. Not that the schedule worked out like that, but you get the point. Because it doesn't matter, but giving a Southern audience like a reason to watch the whiteout is just objectively fun. Like I'm so 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 oh, yeah. excited that we get something new this time around. Yeah, I and then it was we were like you like you implied. We're like we were kind of reaching the point where it was. I mean, yeah, it's always fun for Michigan and Ohio State, obviously, because it's more likely than not the biggest home game on the schedule in any given year um, since you're never playing them both at home or both on the road. But I think we had reached the point where it was time for something new. So just great timing for Auburn to be coming to town for sure. So obviously 2022 will be Ohio State. Is West Virginia coming to town in 23 or do does Penn State I go believe, there? Uh, um, I don't know which one's first. West Virginia is 23 and 24, but I don't okay. know... I don't know which end of the home and home happens first. That is the first game of the year is hosting West Virginia in 2023. Ooh. That'd be fun. Since, since it looks like, since it sounds like you have schedules up, who's Penn State's opening game next year? Um, I want to say it's Purdue. Um, hmm. And if you'll give me a second, I will verify that. It is on the road at Purdue in West Lafayette, Indiana, where I had Einstein bagels for the first time. Oh, hopefully the last time. Yeah, I don't like bagels. We've been over this. I don't want anyone to. I don't want anyone to tweet at me that I don't like bagels. Um, yeah, their first three. Of, uh, excuse me. Two of their first three games uh, next season are on the road. You got Purdue, then you have Ohio, and then you head uh, to Auburn. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that'll you have be Ohio, fun. You have Ohio State and Michigan in back to back weeks. You have yeah, Illinois, right. and then you have a bye week, and then you host Michigan State. Wow, this is a really weird schedule. Wait, 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 wait. The Michigan-Ohio State back-to-back starts the week after Auburn? No, sorry. There's there's a uh, Central Michigan game in there. Fire up chips uh, okay. in there in between. And then you have October 1, Ohio State, and then October 8 at Michigan. Wow. Okay. So the season's going to be decided by the middle of October. Good to yep, know. Yeah, that's always fun. Jeez. <laughs> Especially fun considering that it's going to be a new starting quarterback, whether it's Taquan Roberson or... Maybe Drew Aller. Oh, Maybe. I see you are not you are not on the Sean Clifford sixty year hype train, which I don't think is no. a thing until I just said it right there. No, he needs to leave. He's been not like I if he wanted, I'd be perfectly happy to have an experienced quarterback for another year, especially with Drew Aller and Bo Perbula coming and give him a year to learn. But just like for his own sanity, like that's enough. Like go yeah. go do something else. Um. Okay. So back to me. I am going to now channel the wonderful 
four overtime chaos that was the 2013 Penn State win over Michigan, 43-40 to final. A ranked Michigan at the time, number 18. Um, there's a lot of individual plays that I feel like I could talk about in this game, but I feel like we don't talk about the Allen Robinson play enough. So that's why that's that's where my focus is. The oh boy, how long actually was it? That that Allen Robinson thirty nine yards. If I know that offhand, I have a problem. Uh, Christian Hackenberg. What? Where is it? This is great audio content. I know this is really we're, good. We're very prepared for this. This wasn't a very "Hey, let's do this right now" kind of thing. I wish you, I wish you could see me all scrolling through the. I feel like there's something missing in this game drive. Do you here, remember but... the Michigan kicker's name? I'll Venmo you ten dollars right now if you can tell me the name of the Michigan kicker in this game without looking. Oh, um, oh, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not gonna get it. Um, hmm. It's like something, I feel like it has two O's in his name, but I don't know what it is. Brendan Gibbons. Okay, two B's. I was close. By the rules of the Through the Looking looking Glass game, I was close. Man, what an ugly game for kickers. Brendan Gibbons was four of seven, and Ficken was three of five on field goals. It was a 36-yard completion, by the way, from Hack to Robinson. 36? Yep. Boy, I... It felt like like 60. (laughs) It felt like 60 because Hack like, was leaning off his back foot as he threw it, got so much air under it. I love that Robinson has this tattoo. With the guy's last name on the back, uh, the Michigan yeah, with, defender. Uh, That's so disrespectful. Oh, who was it? Was it Roundtree, I think, was the cornerback? Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to look that up after I pass it off to you in a second here. But, yeah, that's, that, that's just one of, like, that was just one of the coolest plays. Like, there's no reason that it should have worked. Just, and it could have gone so wrong, like, so easily. Like, the corner times his jump terribly. Yeah, Robinson goes and gets it up high, but it's not like he had the perfect position on it. Just the kind of play that, yeah, you knew they were going to win, obviously, because of where it put them on the field. But it's like, that. that's just the kind of play that no, that helps you know that, yeah, this is our night. It was just, that was such a, that was such a fun cool game i wish i could relive that it's been a decade and that iteration of christian hackenberg is still the best quarterback alan robinson has ever had please god start justin fields please god chicago start justin fields this man deserves a quarterback i can't usually hear very many things on my balcony uh, in chicago just by nature of where i live but i i heard a groan from the people downstairs when andy dalton trotted out it was really funny Ugh, it's so upsetting. Like, and you know that, like, you know, whenever he does go to a new team, he's it's going to be the kind of situation where he goes somewhere, and that quarterback either who who had been good is either going to have like a down season and then get traded or retire, and he's going to be right back to like somehow Blake Bortles will become his quarterback again. And oh, I feel so bad for him. Poor, poor A Rob. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, I try to figure out who that corner was. Do you have any other wideout memories you want to talk about? Uh, Jawan's catch in 18. Shout out Jawan. Big weekend in the NFL this weekend. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, hope he has a really successful career as a tight end. Um, that was a crazy play because Jawan was used so poorly, I think, throughout his time at Penn State. Because I just don't think they knew how to use a six foot four guy on the edge. 
they knew how to use a six foot four guy as a tight end, but they had no idea how to use one as a receiver. Um, so shout out to Jawan for that amazing, amazing catch. Um, still a major bummer they lost that game. Uh, but that that's honestly one of the most underrated wideout plays in my opinion. Yeah, that was a really that was a really cool play. Like, yeah, I I'm glad that I I am glad that Jawan left and went to Oregon and got a chance to star for a year and kind of up his NFL stock because it just for whatever reason and like you said it just wasn't happening at Penn State but I miss him. Uh, Channing Stribling was the name of the Michigan cornerback that got. I never would have gotten that. that. Never would have gotten that. Yeah, I remember he. I remember like when Robinson posted the picture of that tattoo. He actually answered and he was like like some like this week or like whatever. And just got like ratioed to hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> a, oh man! All right, time. That, that's all I, I have. Whiteouts. Whiteouts are great. I can't wait. I'm super bummed. I won't be going this week. It's a major bummer. Um, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun to watch on TV. Though. Yeah, like I said, I I think this this was a question. I think our first or the roundtable for this past week for the Ball State game. Um, just like, what are you excited about with fans being back in Beaver stadium? And my answer was that I, I think that the relationship between a team and the fans in the stadium is just something that really only exists in that exact scenario. And just like seeing, seeing the opening kickoff and seeing the, obviously the kick sailed out of the end zone because Jordan's out, but seeing all the gunners sprinting through the end zone and, waving their arms to get the crowd pumped up, seeing the defense call. For, like I missed that stuff so much. Like I, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool thing and it's not unique to Beaver stadium, but you know, with that environment, it's, it, there's truly nothing like it in college football. And I'm excited just to, even though I won't be there, I'm just excited to see it return to my television. My dream scenario is um, Penn state wins the toss to first, the second half First play, snap goes over Bo Nix's head into the end zone, but it bounces weird, and they recover it at the one. And then after that, Bo Nix has to take a snap in the opposing end zone with the student section behind him. That might be the loudest we ever hear at Beaver Stadium. That's a very specific example of what I want this to happen. This is very specific. Yeah, I thought a lot about it today. <laughs> I like it, though. It's a good one. That, that Yeah, I, I Bo Nix is going to poop his pants on live television. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for here. Real quick, one last, yeah. one last, one last note from the 2015 whiteout. Final score: Michigan 28, Penn State 16. Oh. Three Penn State players returned a punt for a total of 10 yards between the three of them. Can you name two of the three? Oh man, you're you're really testing me here. I think you can get one. You can get one. Um. I'm trying, struggling to even remember who was on the 2015 team aside from freshman Saquon Barkley and freshman Mike Gesicki and Gesicki um, would have been a sophomore at this point. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, man, can you, can you give me their normal position as a hint? One was on the Green Bay Packers at one point this se- uh, this off season. At one point this off season. Oh man, I don't know. Give me another one. All right, one was two of them were receivers. One I think was a linebacker, and uh, two of them were walk-ons. Oh, just just tell me. I'm gonna be annoyed by not All being right. able to guess them. Just tell one me. One return for eight yards. Greg Garrity. 
Oh, my God. One return for one yard, DeAndre Tompkins. Oh, I should have gotten that. That's the one I thought you were going to get. And one return for one yard, Vaughn Walker. <laughs> oh, my God. This game God. rules. Oh, okay. Well, with that, I think that's going to do it for, do it here for us today on uh, this little bonus episode of Royal Lions Radio. I hope you had fun thinking back on these great moments with us, uh, and I hope you're ready for the Nittany Lions to make some new ones this weekend. As always, make sure you're subscribed to Royal Lions Radio on your podcast platform of choice, as well as make sure you're following Roar Lions Roar on all of our various social channels. And if you want to support the site, go ahead and visit our store. Pick up a beautiful and incredibly soft new t-shirt or sweatshirt for yourself, for family, for friend, whoever. Uh, But once again, thanks for listening. For myself and Matt, go State. John Donovan for USC head coach.